0: Is the unseen. And I'm your host, Mike Clulland. In this episode, we will be exploring the realm of the Synchromystics with Alan Abadassah Green. Alan runs a website focused on synchronicity called The Sync Book, where he has logged a wealth of videos, podcasts, and articles. Along with a crew of other synchronists, they've put together a remarkable resource to to explore and archive the mysteries of synchronicity. Alan edited two big books titled The Sync Book One and The Sync Book Two, and these are collections of essays from a wide range of the leading thinkers on the subject of synchronicity, uh, starting a bit over a decade ago a group of young thinkers emerged on the internet and they were playing with the ideas of synchronicity and how it ties into both the, the lowest aspects of kitschy pop culture and the highest expressions of spiritual faith. And it is the collision of these two, this, the tawdry and the sacred that just really inspires me. And Alan was at the forefront of this revolution in magical thinking. During our talk, I reference a podcast that Alan and I had done back in 2011, and this talk here is, in a way, a continuation of that amazing conversation from uh, almost eight years ago. This conversation was recorded on Monday, November 4th, 2009. Please enjoy. Alan, I want to thank you so much for saying yes to this interview, it means a lot to me.
1: Thank you, Mike. It means a lot to me that you asked me to to do this again and uh, it's, it's great to hear your voice again.
0: Yeah, um, just so folks know, um, Alan and I did a wonderful podcast on my other thing which has been dormant now for some years uh, and it was a remarkable conversation and I have been wanting to talk to him again in this formal setting. A big part of my research and a huge part of his research focus on synchronicities. And there's a term that I love, a synchromystical. So someone who is immersed in synchronicity, and that means experiencing synchronicity, could be called a synchromystic, which is a term I think is so beautiful. And and I think Jake Kotze came up with that, didn't he?
1: He did indeed, yeah. And I know that term has had different meanings for him and for um some of the people who've identified with it over the years but the term itself still seems even as it, the meanings maybe shift it's still it's, it's a fantastic term that it's um irresistible to, to use yeah
0: yeah yeah it's it's really it's perfect and um so you have been studying writing and podcasting about synchronicity for dang near a decade is that right
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Make me feel old, but yeah. Uh, it's the time. I cannot believe how, how 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 this time is passing. Yes, absolutely. It's been um, oh god. I like focusing on sync. Yeah, uh, it's it's two thousand nine. Yeah,
0: that's a decade. Yeah, where that's a decade. That's a decade. Yeah. So, and I'm going to say this. So, so synchronicity is something that's always been around right so synchronicity is a meaningful coincidence a coincidence that is meaningful to the observer and i've written tons about it and i know you've written tons about it and you've published is the sync book that's is that a trilogy or is there just two books
1: there's just two books it was intended to be a trilogy and we'll say as of yet has not happened
0: okay well there's always the future so um so those books are remarkable because it's you're putting together really disparate authors who are, I don't know how to say this. Anyone who's in this community has got a sense of humor. Let me put it that way. And can be pretty like forceful in their opinions. And so the books are, are a dream to read. They're just wonderful because everyone gets on their high horse in totally different ways on that, in, in those books, which I think is great. <laughs> Here, go ahead.
1: You're self-included. Just... You're in the second book, right? Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. And so just go ahead and, and, and share with the audience, the genesis of those books and, 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 and how they might be able to get them. Because I think those are really remarkable as far as uh, uh, collections.
1: Well, so I guess it was um, the first book came out in 2011. And um, I, I think that was just it grew out of that time period where blogs were s- so active. And I know you just sort of went through a phase of going back and looking at your blog and doing a sort of collection from that. Um, it's kind of a similar sort of thought at the moment, where I found myself hopping around from blog to blog every few days, checking in to see new articles, new new content from these people who were exploring synchronicity, focused in that synchromistic genre, and um, I just found myself so taken by their work. Everyone's sort of different flavor or uh, spin on things, and I really wanted to get the information out there. I didn't feel it was my place to write some sort of book saying this is what I think synchronicity means. What I really wanted was maybe since it's synchronicity is so often personal, if we had this cross section where you had 26 different people saying this is what synchronicity means to me, the truth might lie somewhere in the middle there, you know, and. I just reached out, asked everyone to write uh, a chapter, either giving what they thought it meant, or a great example, or any number of ways they wanted to approach that subject, uh, and we collected these 26 different essays. The first book was uh, a surprising success. Uh, it, it's something I, I remain incredibly proud of. I think everyone involved with those books should be incredibly proud of those, um, We did a a second volume, which uh, you have a a chapter in, uh, and again, 26 other uh, essays in that second book. And they just stand as these testaments for particularly me trying to make room for different thoughts, um, competing arguments and uh, perspectives on this phenomenon.
0: So that's a total of 52 separate viewpoints. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I did. I now that I think, I guess I must have known that. But that's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. And I, you know, I recognize that. I guess how to say this, like synchronicity has been part of. Like Carl Jung certainly studied synchronicity, and Joseph Campbell, and and then the advent of the internet. It feels like, and I've written this about this that the internet seems to have like supercharged synchronicities. I think we're like in a in a new. Realm of human communication where we've got this web of synaptic neurons that connects every wi fi router and every laptop and every phone to every nearly every person on the planet I mean it's cheating right you you want to put in like talking horse uh shoelaces you could put that into Google and figure out like oh my God, look at all these connections so that's not very valuable, but I think that like the the energetic power of the internet has kind of supercharged synchronicity and maybe i'm just talking from my own experience because that's when i started writing about my own synchronicities was in 2009 at the dawn of like what would be the blogging era really i guess it was started a few years earlier but not much earlier
1: Uh, i'm with you uh i i do think the internet has okay so um i'm of the mindset that What is synchronicity is a coincidence means events are coinciding. Uh, Carl Jung says it's a causal, meaning it's not necessarily a cause and effect. It just means these two things are happening at the same time. And there is that is meaningful in some way. Right. So in that respect, I am careful to not try and um, say the Internet is the cause of it per, per se. But damn, if it's not right there alongside it, I mean, we see this unfolding of of history is certainly changing. We we did enter a new epoch, you know, or or new a new sort of um, age. And we can think of this as the Internet age as the information age. But there's something more to it. There is there are big changes taking place and um, particularly with these 20 years of sort of context of looking back over this period, you see how this this happens. Um, and, and I just wanna say as far as your internet synchronicity, I, I agree it's become very hard to sort of discern what is the algorithm. You know, if I see, uh, if you and I are talking about horseshoe aces and then tomorrow I, or in 20 minutes, I look on my phone and suddenly I have an advertisement for horse aces I'm less likely to think that's a synchronicity and more likely to think my phone is spying on me. The algorithm is trying to sell me something. Uh, we do live in that age where it's become a, an ongoing joke amongst everybody you can speak to, even people who are nowhere near high weirdness. Everyone knows, ah, oh, weird. I was just talking about that and now I'm getting an ad for it or What's even weirder, I was thinking about it. I didn't say it out loud. I didn't Google anything, but I was thinking about this thing and now I have an ad for it. Is that a synchronicity? Is that, you know, we're, we're in a really weird time period as far as that conversation goes. But when you step outside that digital world and you have these incredibly personal synchronicities that cannot be programmed by some Facebook advertising algorithm that are undeniable, only your innermost personal thoughts happening around you. Synchronicity is, is an once you're aware of it, particularly if you're exploring it and spending any time, it's a sort of phenomenon that I do feel like once you are paying attention to it, it starts to pay attention to you, just like uh, I know I've heard you talk about UFOlogy in the same way of you start to pay attention to this and suddenly it it looks back at you and says, oh, hey, welcome, <laughs> you know. Yeah, the, a, yeah,
0: a... the universe is a giant mirror, basically, like, you know, yeah. reflecting right back at you, whatever you project into it. So be careful what you which you project i guess is what the 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 (laughs) lesson of that would be um here's a big big question how do you how do you how has your ideas of reality like the fabric of reality how has that changed because of your research into synchronicity?
1: well i i i'm forced to exist in the material world just as we all are um you know uh Telling you tell earlier, I mean, I, my day job is as a bartender. I have to talk to people about the most banal things uh, regularly. I see, you know, my, my money come in, money go out for bills. I have a very, like, there is a very tangible, physical, just day-to-day thing that is, just just as real as anything else. But synchronicity has shown me there is this glittering magic happening behind the scenes that it would be very easy to ignore in that day-to-day worrying about just the, the BS that we, we have to deal with. It's so, so easy to ignore. I find myself... From time to time, some crazy synchronicity will happen in a work setting, and I'll point to one of my coworkers and say, hey, isn't that weird? And usually they're like, huh, yeah, that's really weird. And just go, you know, like sometimes they might pause for 20 seconds, but that's about it. Most people aren't thinking in those terms. Most people aren't even stopping to realize it. Uh, but if you point it out to them, usually it's it's shocking. Uh, again, for guys like us, where you start to pay attention to it all the time and you are very aware of its existence and you're noticing it's so bizarre <laughs> you know even even after years of dealing with synchronicity, those types of events are so bizarre it's it's like a slap in the face it's like every time i I start to view synchronicity as as humdrum of like well, you know that's just the way it is that's reality it's just And even stranger synchronicity will happen, something that is so bizarre, so personal that I almost feel like it smacks me in the face and says, hey, pay attention. This is genuinely something of a higher order. This is not boring material existence. This is something more. And I I hesitate to name it or, or label it in any way, but it's. I, I have become comfortable with the term magical just because I think that word is apt. You know, it's it's giving some recognition to just how strange and how 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 far beyond the normal causality this goes.
0: <laughs> I, I I agree. I think the term magic is absolutely completely appropriate. Yeah. Or magical, yeah, yeah.
1: I know that's a loaded term, but it's it, who cares? It just, but it's perfect. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So here's a question: How have you changed your life because of these things? Because of these magical events?
1: All right. As someone who's been doing this for a decade now, I've gone through waves. There was there was a point where I probably rode synchronicities like a wave and took everything as a sign you know oh I guess I need to do this because this is a this synchronicity is pointing the way um, I've gone through that phase I am out of that phase <laughs> um, alright um, this isn't directly answering your question but to say what I have learned is that and, and you could go back and look at even early studies of this Carl Jung and so on Synchronicities are very often, as you say, it's a reflection back, the universe reflecting back what you're projecting. So that means it doesn't necessarily uh, always be a positive thing. It's not like, oh, here's, uh, you know, and you hear like these sort of hippy-dippy like, oh, I manifested this for myself, you know? Uh, what
0: they might have.
1: They might have, yeah. They totally might have. No, I know. But there's also some like negative synchronicities for lack of a better term there are terrifying synchronicities that occur from time to time uh i i I don't want to i I don't want to make this a a, in any way i don't think synchronicity is a negative force but as you say it's it's a reflection and uh it's not always rainbows um and I do feel it's a mistake, a common mistake to just kind of take everything as a, oh, this synchronicity happened. Therefore I'm supposed to, uh, you still have to keep your, your wits about you and keep your common sense about you. Um, it's very easy to get caught up in these big mystical, what seem like these big mystical signs from the heavens. You know, you go back, um, (laughs) You ever read the Iliad?
0: No, but I've seen the movie with uh, Kirk Douglas.
1: Gotcha. Okay. You know, one of the the oldest stories of Western culture, right? That story starts with um, what to me is fascinating is Zeus telling this guy, he he gives him basically a precognitive dream. That is intentionally misleading. He gives this guy a dream that says, hey, if you invade Troy right now, you will win and you will be like the coolest guy and everyone will love you and you're totally going to be successful. Knowing full well that he's setting this guy up for failure. He wants this guy to invade and then he's going to destroy him and all his people and everything. So it's presented as a mystical yet. Incorrect precognition you know it's 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 bizarre in that way like you could fully have a vision from the gods doesn't mean it's the right thing to do um that's one of our oldest stories in the western uh tradition to me there's a lesson in there somewhere so i guess i'm you know 10 years out i take synchronicities with a certain grain of salt Uh, i'm no less awed by them but i'm a little more reluctant to uh, let them make decisions for me. <laughs> yeah,
0: so at this point, I am see, and I've talked about this in my writings and stuff, and I've repeated this over and over again. I see owls, UFOs, and synchronicities as essentially the same thing. Right. I mean, so each one of those things has a has a power. Right. Obviously, a synchronicity can be very powerful and people can change their lives because of it. And I feel like my I I feel like I totally went down the path and I and I I let synchronicity be my compass for a long time. And it changed my life. Synchronicity is the direct result of where I am right now. Um, I had I had a career path. I had this other life and and all of that crumbled and I followed this synchronicity stuff. It has been. I, we talked about this a little bit earlier. It has been so rewarding in every way, except financially, which is fine. Because I, I am amazed at the, at the magical qualities of of this life path that I'm on now. Now, you could be in an unhealthy place, of with any of those things, following any of those paths, whether UFOs or synchronicities and owls. For I mean, I definitely feel like I went through. I'll say it, I went through an unhealthy chapter of my life where I was so wrapped up and so lost following these things that it took a toll on me and took a toll on my friendships and all kinds of things. But, you know, whatever. I mean, I kind of I went up to the crazy line, I stepped across it for a little while and and then you have to kind of back off and like reground yourself. Um and I honestly I just think I got bored of being that obsessed. So um yeah, so I, I obviously we need to we need to step into the darkest part of the forest. At the same time, we, we also need to be grounded and be very self-aware that we're sharing. We still have to pay the rent and, and, and eat.
1: Absolutely. yeah. And, and I just want to, you know, I put that out there, but I want to back up and say, yes, as, as you said, look, synchronicity has been an incredibly positive and life-changing force in my life, I would not change it or trade it for anything in the world. I I don't want to, as I said, I don't want to put a negative spin on it. I just want to say, yeah, there's, I think there is, you know, particularly maybe I was, I actually listened to a a lecture you did not not too long ago, and you were talking about uh, if you want proof of this, just look at my email inbox was an expression you used.
0: Yes. And uh, I and I think that <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. I'm I'm i it has been proven to me by the similarity of the stories. If nothing else, my my email inbox has been a form of confirmation. Yeah.
1: Right. So here you are, you get out there and you say, Hey, does anybody have any experiences with owls and synchronicities and UFOs? And people flood your email with these stories and you get a particular insight that most other people don't get. Well, yeah. like you, I got out there and was, was sort of on the stage of the Internet and whatever this is and was talking about synchronicity. And I got a lot of emails and that gives me an insight into where people are with it. And um, for me, it was an you know, it was a very positive thing and something I felt I had a healthy relationship with. And I realized through those emails, not everyone has that healthy relationship. For some people, this sort of melting of the fourth wall, this idea of like, huh, I'm thinking about something and then it appears in my day to day life is. Yeah, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like a schizophrenic, You know, there's like a a paranoid moment of like, what is this? Uh, It can be very, very frightening and um, it can unhinge people from reality. So I have learned to be a lot more. Again, from a financial standpoint, this is the worst business decision I ever made, but it makes me feel much more honest and able to sleep at the end of the night. I see people, you know, people I've worked with who turned their synchronicity research into this and I, you know, sort of new agey love and light approach that synchronicity is wonderful and it's the universe is providing for you and it's all great and, you know, it's this path to enlightenment and all this sort of, you know, big smiling rainbow stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm getting emails from people who aren't experiencing that, and I don't think it's fair to advertise this as as that. <laughs> I want some truth in advertising to say that it might lead you to uh since it synchronicity is your innermost self projected outward, you will learn a lot about yourself. You will have amazing moments of introspection and uh about about the world and the universe and your place in it, and it's it's incredibly uplifting at times. And just like any true spiritual or or um quasi-psychedelic experience, it's also going to have big pitfalls and sand traps around the edges that we need to be aware of and I think we need to you know, sort of address at the outset. And that is, um, again, probably probably hurt my financial success in marketing synchronicity. But uh, uh, I'd be I, I can't, I can't talk about it any other way than to say like, Hey, let's be real, man, it's, it's, it's got its ups and its downs. It's, it's what you bring with it. Uh, I, I, I say like a psychedelic experience. Um, because it's so surreal at times. Uh, Even if you look at the earliest psychedelic research, like your Timothy Leary's and things like that, they used an expression that was called set and setting, which means uh, what are your environment If you were to take these psychedelics at your friend's house or in your own home or in the forest or where you know, or you're at a club, those are all different settings. But then there's also your set and set is what you bring to the experience. What psychological baggage if you just got out of a breakup or you just got fired from your job or you're dealing with whatever it might be, you're bringing that into your psychedelic experience. You have that brain chatter going on. You might experience some negativity because of that Um, in a similar sort of way synchronicities are again a projection of of your inner state plus what's going on in the world and neither of those things are always very tidy
0: I hate to do this but we are going to have to take our very first break and for free dreamlanders you will hear a few commercials for paying members we will be right back we are back on the unseen i am with my friend alan abadassa green and we are talking about synchronicity and synchro mysticism just before the break we were talking about i guess how the negative aspects to this and i'll say straight up like you know it is i am very cautious to see the ufo lore the ufo phenomena the ufo contact experience Painted only in glittering rainbows and and such because yes, there is kind of a love and light aspect to it, but there's a shadow side to it too, and then it's a mistake not to address both the dark and light sides of things and and honestly, in my research and what I've been looking at it's it's weighted more towards the the benevolent it seems to be, but there's some dark stuff there and and I, I know a lot of people on the love and light side will ignore will deny the dark stuff and I think that does a disservice to the people who are experiencing that for one and then just a complete understanding of of the richness of the entirety of it
1: uh, yeah thank you well well said and and again my, my experience has been predominantly positive so uh, I share I share that experience with you of like that's the majority of my experiences have been positive but there there is no there's no light that doesn't cast a shadow somewhere and um if we're going to fully explore any phenomenon or or any aspect of ourselves or whatever it might be um i think it's important to look at all the aspects not just the ones that are um you know friendly and and very approachable hey Um,
0: i'm going to talk a little bit about a chapter in my recent book sure. the 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 chapter is titled synchromysticism and um i you know for first of all i did one chapter which is something i know y- you and i both sort of latched onto this and there was i did a essay in 2011 called the evolutionary triad and it was comparing and contrasting planet of the apes to 2001 and we could spend 2 hours talking about all the disparate threads and how they're so tangled up and and that was at the point when I was reading a lot of these synchro mystic websites, and I was thinking, you know, people are making these connections between pop culture and stuff. And I, and I was like, well, how hard could that be? And I just kind of t- started doing this, and this thing just like poured in at me, all the strange connections between these two movies. Um, what I do want to ask you real quick is you did a video where you actually overlapped these two movies, where you actually projected them in essence, both movies on the same movie screen at the same time. And what was your what was your what was your goal in that, I guess?
1: This is so funny because I didn't tell you this, Mike, but um probably 48 hours before you contacted me to do this interview, I started watching the original Outer Limits series like for the first time of like sit down with episode one and start watching it.
0: I have done that too. It is a joy. Anyone out there, it's on the internet. You can can download it off of uh, any number of sites. It's a beautiful, powerful thing to do. That series slays me. Okay, keep going.
1: Well, to say your evolutionary triad article was also included. It was 2001 A Space Odyssey, Planet of the Apes, and a specific episode of Outer Limits. So me sitting down to watch this was through that lens. Was I was literally thinking of you, of like, oh, I can't wait till I get to the episode that Mike talked about. So I thought that, and then within forty eight hours, I got a message from you. Uh, so that's a perfect synchronicity right there.
0: And have you seen the episode?
1: Uh, uh, no, not yet. Ah, okay. well, get ready. Get ready. Um, I'm 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 ready for it. <laughs> uh, so to to your point. Uh, so the majority of the, the article was about Planet of the Apes overlapping with 2001 The Space Odyssey. I have that conversation with you. We talk about it on a podcast. And I don't know. It wasn't that much longer. I had a dream where I saw the movies sort of overlapping. So, so if you could imagine, take like the first five minutes of Planet of the Apes, weigh that over the last five minutes of 2001, and then kind of keep repeating that. um, And it created an endless loop in my mind. And I I experienced this in a dream, I saw it so clearly. And I was like, Oh, I have to do that as an editing project. And I, I did it. And it, it works shockingly well. The, the plot lines are literally sort of the, you know, where 2001 Space Odyssey starts with apes okay we watch these apes and then we take them out into space and then suddenly there's a spaceship crashing as you mentioned it is the exact same filming location they use uh lake powell in utah so it's they show the spaceship cr- uh, coming out of a stargate crashing into lake powell in utah and then you look at two, uh excuse me point of the apes Planet of Apes actually starts with Charlton Heston out in space and they're on their spaceship and he's talking and he goes through a Stargate and then suddenly they crash into Lake Powell in Utah and he's on this planet with the apes. And it's, uh, I have this, I, I have an abbreviated version. I did render off on my own computer. I have some, you know, like six hour. <laughs> video that I have uh, I have no real way of sh- sharing with the public, but where you could watch the whole film straight through. What I released for the public is a sort of abbreviated version. Like we've all seen Planet of the Apes. We don't have to. I just sort of have like highlights. So I edited Planet of the Apes down to like 20 minutes and edited 2001 A Space Odyssey down to like 20 minutes and just showed the sort of overlapping of how this works. And it's it's pretty incredible also pretty telling those movies were released the same day three three days um, three days apart well okay yeah it's it's really how you want to look at that because there was a a premiere yeah there's
0: oh well, oh, just keep three. tell me was there a premiere that actually lines up
1: well so if you um i, I think it's space odyssey uh, i i you know I i should look it up but just of my my memory says space odyssey has like a premiere in like new york or dc or maybe london i don't know like two days before and then it's like theatrical release it's like these two these big city premieres then sort of theatrical release and then planet of the apes i believe just just has the, the theatrical release is the the one that's uh august i'm assuming, uh april 3rd I, I should just look these dates up just so i'm not but it's it's something like that. It's very, if it's not that, it's very close. Um, so the safest way to say that is yes, they came out the same week. They uh, they have the same filming location. These very specific cinematic elements, everything from humans dressed up like monkeys to spaceships and stargates and wake powell and all these weird things and, and, and a huge point. emphasis
0: on on uh, evolution
1: absolutely and you made the point um that there is this and it really ap- I, I i i look at planet of the apes differently after talking to you this sequence where he finds the little baby doll it really is the turning point of the story like, I think watching the movie, it didn't have quite the punch. The, I mean, I'd seen the movie a million times and I am re- and I realized after talking, she's like, oh no, it's literally like, he picks up the doll, the doll speaks and that is the moment in which the whole illusion is shattered. Or just, just heads up, point.
0: I just totally got the chills just now. Like, full body tingles. Keep going.
1: Uh... Yeah, it's, it's it's in the film that baby doll crying or I think it says like mama or something that the doll speaking is the smoking gun evidence for Charlton Heston to say, look, this human race that spoke existed before the apes, you know, and um, it's the thing that uh, then Dr. Zayas ultimately freaks out about and you know, um, attacks them over. It really is the turning point. It's a, it's a very subtle but major moment in the film. And then you talk about how that child is mirrored with the famous space baby at the end of two thousand one. Um, you can really overlay these different events if you just sort of, as you, as I said, you would sort of take the you know, last few minutes of one film and the first few minutes of another. Um, if you go to thesyncbook.com, I believe I actually have it. Uh, if you just Google Vimeo, V-I-M-E-O, space sync, S-Y-N-C, space book, you will get my Vimeo channel there, with a bunch of videos that you can watch. i got a ton of cool stuff there. And one of which is a film, it says 2001 Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Uh, And again, that's this edit that I'm talking about. And you can watch for yourself how those films overlap really specific weird references to each other um, in a way that, again, is this causality, is this synchronicity. What is it? I'm not quite sure, but.
0: You know what I think? it. I mean, there is a there is a power to the creative process. Right. I mean, I feel like like the. And I'm an artist, and I should have a good understanding of what that means, but I don't. I mean, I think that there is there is a point of inspiration. There are these ideas and these memes and these thoughts and these these powerful things that just kind of float out there. And then the the artist, whether that be the scriptwriter or the novelist or the filmmaker, these things they they pick these out of the out of the collective subconscious and they get plugged in. So so in a sense, it's not magic if, if the subconscious cloud that's around us is real, but it certainly appears as magic.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that that appearance, that sense of awe is the thing that even after 10 years, I, I, I can't shake, it still impresses me.
0: And it impresses me too. Hey, we are gonna have to take our second and final break here. And we will return very shortly for free Dreamlanders. You're going to hear a few commercials. For paying members, we will be right back. We are back on the unseen, and I am here with my friend Alan Abadassa-Green. We are talking about synchronicities and the synchro-mystical. Uh, just before the break, we talked about Planet of the Apes in 2001. I want to talk about a story which you don't know, and I'm going to fill you in a little bit on this, and I just want to get your feedback on it. This was a blog post that I did in 2012, and this was right after the Aurora shooting. So this is a dark story, Uh, the Aurora, Colorado theater shooting when they were playing one of the Batman movies at midnight. A bunch of people were killed in the theater. One of the people that got killed was a young woman named Jessica Redfield, and she was a sports reporter for Fox News. And it wasn't her real name, um, but she chose the name Redfield. Her real name is Guai, and it was just hard to pronounce, so she changed her name to Redfield for this. And following her story, there were so many strange synchronicities. So this woman, Jessica Redfield, was involved peripherally in a mass shooting that took place about 40 days earlier in Toronto, Canada. And she wrote a blog post. She has a blog post. I think it's still online, has only two articles. One, she was a sports reporter. She wrote an article about hockey. And the other one was titled Late Night Thoughts on the Eaton Center Shooting by Jessica Redfield, June 5th, 2012. And it starts out, I can't get this odd feeling out of my chest, this empty, almost sickening feeling that won't go away. And she talks about how this was right after the event. And she had been in the food court and then she had this feeling like this like almost like panicky feeling I gotta get out of here and so she left the food court and as she walked out she heard gunfire and that was where the attack took place was several people died in this food court Um, a man just came in and opened fired with a rifle now mainstream news picked up on this that this woman Jessica Redfield had this this blog post and everyone mainstream news they all pointed out the 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 unsettling coincidence to this now there was so much stuff just the the color red uh plays out over and over again she changed her name to redfield um the uh the gunman at uh, the aurora event had dyed his hair bright red um and then now there's there's a bunch that goes on I won't go into all of it but Several days before the event, she went to an organized tomato fight in Denver, where she was living. And so it was basically a big truck full of, like, over-ripened tomatoes, was dropped off at this parking lot, and all these people had a fight, and they threw tomatoes at each other. And there are pictures of her from just a few days before the event, and she is splattered with bright red tomato glop. And she writes... Um, and and these were posted on her Twitter page, and I grabbed them from the Twitter page. And, and, and she wrote, to those wishing they were there, tomatoes were rotten. I threw up multiple times. The smell was vile and damp, and so was the texture. And there's these pictures that you cannot look at without the weight of premonition. Just, it is brutal. And one particularly horrible picture where she looks miserable, and she's splattered, and she's got a white tank top on it and it's just splattered with this red, glop she she looks miserable and that photo on her on her twitter feed was posted at three thirty three p.m now i say in the article i am so cautious this is a real person this is a real event but the the weight of this event and all the subtle coincidences and some not so subtle some in, Incredibly Overt like she got up and left the site of mass shooting 42 days earlier. I can't I can't separate the the heavy human experience from from these coincidences. No, I, I see so
1: this to me is an important lesson. Um, you made a comment earlier that you said you got there was a point where you had a went through a dark phase where you're so obsessed with the owl thing that you sort of felt like you lost touch with some friends and things um i I went through a point where i was if you study any synchronicity from a a clinical psychology point of view you get these ideas of like archetypes right? these like archetypal figures um and it was really important for me like the lesson of like oh these I'm starting to look at like my friends and family as archetypes, which is healthy in one perspective from like a, realizing what role they play in my life, but not healthy in the sense of like dehumanizing them and forgetting that they make my life fulfilling. There's a reason they are my friends and the, all this sort of stuff. It's really common when we're studying this, these phenomenon online, uh, To forget that we're talking about people that are um, these tragic events take a toll on someone um, and that they the person feeling that terror of that premonition uh, to remember or acknowledge what they felt and I think that is a really hard part but an important part of this study is to remind ourselves that these are these are real people. And, and, and in a way, as you say, it adds a weight to these experiences. Um, it's a shame. You know, the, the most recent video I did um, is exploring um, 9-11 synchronicities going back. And that those, have you, you know, in some respect, they are the, the things that kind of got me interested in this in the first place. They're also the... Uh, Thing that I kind of come back to a lot in a way almost feel like they've been discussed so much, but I found these few things. I'm like, oh, they've no one's ever talked about this. I really want to address these points. And every time I go back to this event that to me is so full of synchronicities. It's hard to step into that headspace. And not be hit by the reality of of these are tragic events these are um in a way it almost feels like they are more synchronistically powerful this is just pure like speculation or like a kind of a gut intuition but if it's something that people are going to agonize over and put a ton of emotion into um Multiple, multiple people are going to be feeling very strong emotions around this one specific event. It almost feels like that adds to the power of the synchronicity. Um,
0: I I know exactly what you mean, where there's like, you know, there was the synchro mystics, especially in the... 2009 to about 2012 or so there were tons of videos that were totally fun and they would kind of connect these things with movies and there was a super fun playful aspect to it this writing this article about Jessica Redfield did not feel fun at all it felt like the weight of the world was on me as I was writing it and I and I was aware of that and and I think there are events that are like flypaper there's something about a powerful human experience or or experience of humanity because this this wasn't just one person, this touched thousands of people, as did 9-11, as did the JFK assassination, as did the Gabriel Gifford shooting. These events are loaded with synchronicities. And there are some people that will stand to the side and say, oh, this is this shows that the Illuminati is like has some master plan and they've orchestrated all this stuff. And I don't I don't buy that. Nor do I. I could say that Yes, so something happened. What I'm saying is that these highly charged human events or highly charged events in history bring with them an inherent power that is like glue to these synchronicities. It attracts them. And things stick to them in a way that boggle my mind. And I, and I am at a loss to fully define it, but I sense it. It's there.
1: Uh, uh it's very very well said I've, I've experienced the same thing I've noticed it over and over I, I admit uh, I have a certain reluctance when I will see sometimes like when a tra- tragic event happens you know you see like whoever you know that's into like the more conspiratorial side they're gonna be like oh this is a false flag shooting or whatever and then you have I know a lot of synchronicity people who are gonna be like oh let's look at the weird symbolic aspects of this. I'm always so hesitant to touch these tragic events and turn them into, you know, some, I don't know, commodify them or, or, or feel like I'm addressing them without any kind of respect. No, there's just, there's a, you know, there's definitely weird emotions around that for me. um, But I would be lying if I didn't say I completely feel the weight and pull of these events as attractors and really strong examples. Like you and I have been talking about synchronicity for an hour. We've given just a handful of like little examples. But when you actually dive into any of these events and can start to literally write down say, Hey, this happened and this happened and this happened. And isn't it crazy that uh, this woman experienced this? Um, again, if this is a, we go into some conspiratorial territory with that Aurora shooting. Um, I, I, you know, I know there are people who think that's like a staged event or something like that. Um, but when you have these synchronicities in your own life, when you study this phenomenon and really have a catalog of experiences that are inexplicable to fall back on and to sort of color your opinion of these events, it suddenly becomes a lot more plausible that it's a real woman who actually experienced this free cognition and ran out of a food court than that she's a, a you know a, what do they call it, a crisis actor or something like that I think it's much more likely and I because I've had those experiences I just could we remember being in a in a car I got it was in a car accident back in 2007 uh seven or eight and being in the car and literally like jump like Jerking my head above, was like starting to fall asleep and jerking my head, and like we're about to get into a car accident. And like within thirty seconds, that car flipped over. Um, like like it was, we were in snow. I jerked my head up, was like fully aware, like we're about to get into a car accident. And then the, the driver hit a patch of ice. We hit the median and flipped the flipped the truck over. Um, But I was like thirty seconds before, like I knew that was coming.
0: And and in the uh, in the my my owl. Stuff I I cannot tell you how many owl stories I have where people will say they were driving down the road, an owl was either standing in the road and made them slow down and had to turn around, or an owl flew in front of them and they put their brakes on. And then moments later, there was an event where there was a car accident just in front of them. And if they had not slowed down because of the owl, they would have been in the accident. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah.
0: That is surprisingly normal. So... The, the owl is the premonition the owl is the event the owl is the thing that says oh my gosh I gotta I gotta leave the eaten food court it's not a it's not a gut feeling so yes yeah, so this is so tangled up in my head and I and I have a very difficult time separating the source of these things all I know is that there is a source out there
1: yeah and the the owl I, I love that you've really zero in on the owl as the messenger of it's whether or not they are the ones providing these uh events or or as just a symbol of that phenomenon as a whole uh that's a much bigger conversation but certainly that they are symbolic of the the message from some sort of bigger source that that larger mirror that we've been discussing
0: hey let's Um, let's jump back to october of 2013 now there's a there's a long complicated story that you play a pivotal role in you had no idea about any of this leading up to it i had been involved with all these owl synchronicities that involved at one point me trying to talk to someone I had to run back and forth to do my laundry at the time I was living my next door neighbor had a washing machine that I would use and so I'd run back and forth and do my laundry at my neighbor's house so in the midst of all these owl synchronicities I was doing my laundry and on Wednesday October 2nd 2013 you were driving home from the laundromat and you tell me what happened Uh.
1: I I I have to imagine what this is. I was living in uh, North Carolina at the time, and I was driving home from the laundromat, and what do we like, as as we're pulling onto the street, I suddenly get this sort of like I don't know, like a weird like voice in my head being like, owls, owls, Mike, owls. So think I was thinking about you and owls and it was just like suddenly this like loud thought in my mind and we pull into the driveway and there is an owl sitting in my driveway I think I took a picture and sent it to you but it was like where we seeing the physical owl was preceded by a full you know 45 seconds 30 seconds by this this thought of you and owls and like just very very loud like it was felt very important in the moment of like
0: you know, mike owls now um that's not a synchronicity that's a that's a psychic premonition so that's outside the boundaries of synchronicity that's something else entirely but it 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 was interwoven with so much stuff other stuff with owls, and in quite literally that same day, someone had sent me an image which I put side by side on the blog, and I think it's side by side in both the book format um, and in the ebook format of the two owl photographs: the so one you took, and then the one that one sent me in the same morning, where it was an owl in the driveway. They were—I don't want to say—it's obviously not near identical, but they—it was basically a close-up shot of an owl staring up at the cameraman in a driveway. Both pictures.
1: Yeah, that's so uh, – here's a here's another synchronicity I had with you not too long ago. As I said, I listened to a lecture of yours. Um, it was like two months back. I was driving. Uh, funny funny enough, I, was, I had gone down to North Carolina, not the same part of North Carolina, but it was in North Carolina. And I was driving back and was listening to a lecture of yours while driving. And um, I, I get out of the car. I, I drive actually straight to work. I was working at this uh, rooftop bar, uh, it was, you know, when the weather was nice with uh, this beautiful rooftop space and go straight to work and just jump in. And I'm working this bar and there comes a point where suddenly like everyone's like grabbing me like, oh, my God, look at that. Look up in the sky. What is that? And it was these like weird glowing lights in the sky turned out to be some sort of like parachuting guys doing some sort of like aerial show or something. But totally out of the ordinary. No, no one knew what it was. And so literally i like be thinking about you, have been, have been listening to this conversation and sort of thinking in these terms and then showing up at work and with people grabbing me like, look, look up in the sky. What is that? What are those lights? And it was just a really funny experience for me.
0: And that's that's the core of the best synchronicities. Those, those the, when they have that little twinkle in them, you know, that little that playful aspect to it.
1: No, oh, yeah, <laughs> and you know, at this point, it's like I I'm I experience this so regularly, you know. And some that are again, like I feel like there's a scale. Those are the ones that are like fun to laugh at and say, like it's it's playful. And some that are just so damn bizarre. Um, I just – I'm going to tell you a real quick story that's sort of – there's no context for this, but I was – so um, I – when I moved to uh, – I'm living in Richmond, Virginia now. When I moved here a few years ago, I was working this bar, and this girl that I was working with was kept saying how much she thought I looked like um, – oh, God, what is his name? Or Jason Schwartzman. She kept saying, oh, you look so much like Jason Schwartzman. So – came time for Halloween, and she said, uh, you know, oh, you should dress up as a Jason Schwartzman character. I said, sure, you pick the character. Like, I'll do it. Just, you know, pick pick a character whatever. So we ended up, you know, doing that for that Halloween. I did a character from one of his movies, and she did, she did another oh, character oh, from the oh, movie. Oh, what movie? Uh, Scott Pilgrim.
0: I knew it. I knew it. Good. Very good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Didn't he
0: have a cane uh, in that? He was had, like, kind of a...
1: He had like a s like a white jacket and a red shirt, glasses, and side like I I grew out a beard and shaved it so I'd have like the sideburns. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, oh, good, good. Okay. I'm glad yeah, that's exactly what I pictured when you said you dressed up like him. Good.
1: So, uh and then she dressed up as the Ramona character from the movie. And so like we worked the whole night like that. And it was, you know, it was fun, whatever. So that was that's Halloween. Um about like two weeks later, so I'm I'm hanging out with this this woman and um I end up meeting her roommate and kind of hitting it off somewhat romantically. And I very briefly end up dating this girl's roommate. So I go over to the house one night and she's talking about... Bear in mind, this is the roommate of the girl who was like, oh my God, you look like Jason Schwartzman. We have to do this costume. So she says, oh, something, something about Jason Schwartzman. And have you ever seen this show... um, The show show is kind of this like noir murder mystery comedy um i i apologize i, I can't think of it. It, was, it was a short-lived tv show and um she's like oh you've really never seen this and i'm like no and she's like cool well i'm just gonna like put on an episode but she was like jumping in the shower or something so she's like here you know i'm gonna put this episode on you should really watch this show so here I am sitting down to watch this show about this guy that I'm supposed to look like. And what happens in this in this episode, the The series takes place in Manhattan. But I so I grew up in Queens, New York. And in this episode, he ends up going to Queens. And my jaw drops like they're shooting the scene in like this back alley behind this like restaurant or whatever. This is literally one block from where the house that I grew up in, like this is the alley where I would go and play in as a kid, like reg- like I, I knew, oh my God, I know this alleyway. It's so specific to my experience, my childhood experience. And I'm like, They Why are they filming this man that you're telling me like, hey, look, doesn't this guy look like you? And literally there's this non sequitur scene of this guy like running through this alleyway that I spent so much time (laughs) as a child in. And I'm and it's just one of those things. And, you know, so she comes out of the shower and I'm trying to she's like, so what would you think? Wasn't it a funny show? And I'm like trying to explain this thing. And she's like she wanted to be like, isn't it funny? And I'm like. No this isn't funny. this is a really weird synchronicity for me um and I don't know, like I don't know what that like that to me those moments of where it's it's a synchronicity but then it is overlapping with media you know we we uh mention how synchronistics will very often sort of talk about finding coincidences in media, looking at movies and there, there are sometimes great examples of almost like a shared dream. I can point; it's it's a repeatable synchronicity. You know, if I tell you a story of oh, weirdest thing happened to me at the supermarket, then it's just this sort of abstract. But if I can point to a scene in a movie, and be like look, you can literally see this man, and we can rewind and play it back and forward. There are times where media is great for those kind of examples, and this, for me, was the thing that was. A media synchronicity but so personal that no one else would have gotten that experience out of that scene but me but it it was just so loud when it happened and this was you know a few years ago now and just in the last week i've been thinking about that one a bunch
0: uh and and i will mentioned... i will add that like the ufo thing plays out like that too and i just spoke with a bigfoot researcher His name is Timothy Renner, and he said the same thing. These Bigfoot experiences play out with a personal quality that is intended and focused and orchestrated for the one person observing it or for the one person experiencing it. This is interwoven into the mystery in a ways that that baffle me.
1: And it's probably the thing that keeps us all coming back to our, you know, whatever your chosen entry point to this mystery is, whether that's owls, Bigfoot, UFO, synchronicity, any of these things, these are literally entry points to this giant question mark, this, this big mystery. And I think it's the really personal aspect that just keeps drawing us back to it day after day.
0: I agree. So, So you said the dream, like the collective dream or like the shared dream. I have gotten to the point now where I'm looking at reality as if it were a dream, I'm looking at reality and analyzing reality. And I am using the tools of someone who does dream analysis to, to try to better understand reality itself. I'll, I'll give you just one simple example. So first off, you and I have gone into a cave together. And I just think the cave is like the perfect, that's a metaphoric symbolic element of Going into the unknown, going into the depths, going into the underworld, going into the shadow world. I don't know if we talked about it at the time, but I just looked at some pictures of us and there we were in a cave. Uh, I well
1: oh, I, I think I think back to that uh that experience with you very, very often. Um I know for you that was essentially your backyard, uh where you were living at the time. You were so close to the Teton uh, national park there, but that was uh, really powerful for me and it did feel uh, both, you know, like symbolic, like this metaphorical layer was 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 definitely stretched over over all of that experience.
0: I yeah. And and I didn't think about it until just now. As I was preparing for this, I went back and looked at, our you know, some old emails and stuff like that. No, but. The reality as a dream. Now, just here's a little example. um, And this gets blurry, too, because I'm not even... We may not... What's the fabric of reality when you get down to this? There's a recent movie called Witness of Another World. And it is a beautiful movie. And it is about an event that took place when a fellow Juan in South America as a boy had a UFO experience. And the movie follows him now through his adulthood. It's an amazing, beautiful thing. But in the story... It's not an abduction story. He's riding his horse, doing farm work, doing ranch work, and he comes upon what amounts to a landed flying saucer. And he gets off his horse, and he climbs up a ladder into the flying saucer. Now, I don't know flying saucers. Do they need ladders? I don't know. I mean, but so the ladder, to me, is dream imagery. The ladder is, is liminal, right? You are you are leaving one place, and you're entering another place. That ladder is the liminal Middle ground, the threshold between the two. So, when when I heard that story, I was just like, "Oh, that's the most important part of the whole thing. It's the latter." So I'm at the point now, for better or for worse, where I'm where I'm seeing this symbolic imagery welling up all around me, this dream imagery welling up around me, or in stories that people share with me.
1: And it's it's a beautiful way. Again, you know, we we need um, a sort of working model, a, a, a lens that we can put over these experiences, so we have a way just to just to enter the territory and have a conversation around it. And the dream analogy, while while it has you know pretty heavy implications, it's it's sort of overlaps with like that simulation sort of Philip K. Dick Matrix like thing. It's the idea that this is somehow it's reality, but it's not real. It has some pretty heavy implications, but the the dream metaphor, or or, or, or maybe not a metaphor, it might be might be true. Is uh, is one that works really well because it not only kind of explains things, but it it gives you an approach that we talk about, like lucid dreaming or um this sort of uh, hypnagogic states and things like that where we can feel how again you know, we we know what our day-to-day material existence is we know that that's an inescapable aspect of this but there's this strange elasticity there's this strange seepage or or uh distortion of those rules from time to time and it's it's so surreal that it that just to say that that model works surprisingly well and i go back to you and i discussed when i was on your uh podcast you said it was you say nine years ago
0: nine years ago yeah
1: we talked about this uh dream i had with uh, david bowie and all these uh precognition about getting winning lottery numbers and things like that. Uh, I think we told that story on that that podcast. I'm thinking back to uh, David Bowie in Twin Peaks. What is his lesson that he learns from entering that white lodge, that hypnagogic place, that middle ground space? And he says, we live inside a dream. And I, I'm just hearing that voice, that line play over, and it feels... Some days it just feels really, really strong. Like that's the that's the best metaphor, the best lens, the best model to approach this. And uh, I sympathize with that immensely.
0: As do I. I hate to say this. We're going to have to bring this to an end. This has been a delight. And I have missed talking to you. We need to talk more often. And how do people get in touch with you? So, once,
1: uh, I would, so I have been – I've started releasing some new content on my website that's been around for uh, – you go to thesyncbook.com, T-H-E-S-Y-N-C-B-O-O-K, thesyncbook.com. I've got archives there going back years. Uh, we have got some interviews with you, Mike. Uh, uh, there's a search function if someone wants to find old episodes. I've got – Videos and podcasts and books and tons of stuff going back uh, over the last 10 years or so. And I've just started releasing a new video series called Hindsight 2020, uh, trying to go back and look at some retrace some of the things that we've already talked about but with the context of having this additional decade and realizing stuff that. While we were in the midst of it, seemed like wow, this is a weird thing that's happening. We were able to catalog some of these synchronicities. You give another ten years of context, you're able to place it in a moment in history, see what else is going on around it, and it's even weirder and uh, more revealing than it was at the moment. So I'm trying to kind of play with some of that stuff right now, and that is the featured video. If you go to thesyncbook.com, there's a video right at the very top. It's like a 20 minute little mini documentary. And that's the first episode of that. I'd appreciate anyone wanting to give that a a view and let me know what they think.
0: Alan, this has been a delight. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. I really, really good talking to you, man. Thank you.
0: Hi, this is Mike. I am chiming in at the end after the editing here. I wanted to check in and say that this was a wonderful talk for me, and it felt like it drifted more into the realm of conversation and sort of drifted out of the realm of a formal interview, which I like, which I like a lot. So it felt like um, like you, the listener, got to sort of eavesdrop on the type of conversations I have had over the years with Alan. I would like to take this moment to thank Lauren Cutts for the intro and outro music and Andrea Lisette villier on the gong. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.